but we are continuing our series on summertime, on summer flavors. And uh, today I'm going to be preaching a message to you from a book of the Bible called Romans. And I'm going to be preaching from the last chapter, Romans 16. Now this chapter is really fun because it's got lots of really exciting things in it. So uh, who here can read, you think you can read really well? Who likes the sound of their own voice reading? Okay, Trisha. Trisha, come on up. Yeah, come on up, Trisha. We'll start with you. I I need like six people. One, two, three, four, five, six. Thank you. Alex, come on up. Alex, come on as well. Yes, our Swedish team people. Come on up. Uh, Who else likes to hear their voice speaking? Joshua Pang. Josh. Josh, come on up. Josh. No, this would be really fun. This is so good. So good. So, so good. Oops, I adjusted this mic. Sorry, Kelly. Uh, anyone else? I... Julia. Julia. Julio. Look at this representation. Can we get someone in the upper echelons of the demographic? Log, La- La- you want to come on up? Come on. Oh, there you go. And we can get... Uh, Let's Naomi, okay, Naomi can come on up too. One, two, three, four, five. Is that six? Is that six? So what we have learned is that no one over the age of 30 likes to get involved in church. Thank you very much. Like, we go all the way down as young as seven, but who is the... Oh, you're the oldest. You're the most senior person here. You're also the tallest. Must make you the smartest. Okay, so if you guys could... If you guys could move slightly over in that direction, that'd be really great. And um, you, have you arranged, you can use this mic. Have you guys arranged yourself a random order? You can decide who wants to read first and who wants to read last. No, I'll put the words up here, but you have to turn and face it. Okay, do it in this order. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Which one's the shortest verse? There's no shortest verse here because you're going to read large chunks of scripture from Romans 16. We're going to read the whole chapter. And the fun part about it is it's got, oh, sorry, sunshine. That's today's topic. <laughs> Romans 16. And uh, it's got lots of really fun names, which is why I'm having you guys read it out loud. So, Locke, you're going to start first. No, you can go first. Okay. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get easier. They don't get easier. Oh, really? I, I, well, except for one of them. You can go first. Ready? Wait, which version are we it's on the oh, It's on the screen. Okay, hold this. Give me, that, give me that cup. Why are you holding so many things? What's that? What's that? Okay, go ahead. Read it nice and loudly and clearly, and don't. <coughs> I got a cough. Okay, go. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in. What's that word? Go on, say it. You have to try. Pronounce it. Francis. <laughs> say it. what? I don't know. You try. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know either, do you? <laughs> How do you say it? Word? Just, just sound it out. Sound it out. Sen- Thank you. Um, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at the house. Greet my dear friend. Oh, man, what name? What's the name? What kind of name is that? You're having babies, by the way. There's a lot of names here. <laughs> uh, huh? Well, Epenetus, who was the first convert 
who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. All right, excellence. Next up, Trisha, I believe you may continue reading. Did you just wow. <laughs> Greet Nikis and Junia. Oh, Junia. Junia, my fellow Jews <laughs> who have been in prison with me. They are, out, they are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Statues. <laughs> Greet Apollos. <laughs> Apollos, Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodion, Herodion, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Well done. Next up, yeah, you can give her a round of applause. Yeah, don't, don't give them Pick and choose, guys. All right. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet, uh, <laughs> Asyncritus, uh, Phlegon, Her- Her- Hermes, isn't that a delivery company? Um, pa- Patrobas and Hermas. Uh, the other brothers and sisters with them. <laughs> oh, why, why is he so hard? Greet Philologus. Julia! Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the pe- Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own Abutees by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of n- native people. <laughs> Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius. Whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is um, the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus sends you their greetings. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, now to him who is able to establish you in an accordance with my gospel, the message... The message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the commands of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well done. You guys are done. Thank you for preaching the whole message today. So as you guys noticed, uh, quite a lot of names, quite a lot of interesting things. I'm guessing most of you have not heard a sermon on this passage of the Bible, just because it seems like a long list of different names of different people and all sorts of things. And uh, when you read all these names out, it's sometimes like when um, you're in school and they're trying to read your Chinese name and they just pronounce it really badly. Um, It's the same thing for us. We don't know a lot of these names unless they're like Julia or... Mary, which are names that we've adopted, but we haven't picked up great names like Philologus, um, which is great. Um, but the reason I wanted to start with this and talking about this long list of things is this is at the end of the book of Romans, and Paul is writing, and he writes this kind of greetings is what's called. Like, hey, by the way, this is my letter, and oh, hey, I'm sending this letter with this girl, Phoebe. She's bringing this, and also this guy's this, and he starts listing all these names. It's very much like... You're remembering your friends in another place. You're like, oh, yeah, can you say hi to this person for me and say hi to this person? Like if you're going back to Hong Kong, someone says, oh, can you go say hi to this person, say hi to this person, go say hi to Carrie, I think she's working there, stuff like that. You know, all sorts of different things coming up. What's really interesting when you look at this a little bit more, you start realizing that there's a whole range of people there. And you start also seeing that actually the church is the family of God. Like, Paul is in another city at this time. My guess is probably somewhere near Corinth. He's writing to Romans. He's writing to Rome. And as he's doing that, he's listing all these people that he knows there, but that also people in the church in Corinth know. And there's a sense of like, hey, we're all family. And the greetings that he's sending are very personal, very caring. Like, oh, yeah, this person and their household and their friends there. In fact, when you look a little bit closer, you start realizing that in that list, there's such a range of people. There are differences in culture, there's differences in wealth, and there's differences in standing. Um, Let me uh, just list out the names, the fun part. Aristobulus, Narcissus, Erastus, Trephenia, and Tryphosa, Persis, Andronicus, Junia, uh, Herodian, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater. So the first two, uh, Aristobulus and Narcissus, when Paul is writing to them, he says, oh, greet the households, greet the households of these people. Now, when we think of a household, we normally think of, oh, like the people who live with us, like my mom and dad and my my brother and sister. When they talk about household, they talk about not just the family, but all the people who live there, all the servants. And so, actually, Aristobulus and Narcissus, they must have been wealthy because they have a whole house. And when Paul's writing to them, hey, greet these people in this house, he's like, actually, everyone in your house, they're all believers. Greet them all. This is your household. So you start seeing, like, even in this church or this gathering, there's such a range of different people. Now, imagine if you go to your workplace and um, someone says, oh, you're going back to your work? Hey, greet everyone there because they're all like my brother and sister, like my family. That's almost what it's like. For us, it'd be like if you go and visit from a church, let's say you're coming from Bristol or from the south and you're visiting and you say, oh, greet my brothers and sisters there. If they find out you're coming up here and say, oh, greet all my friends up in Birmingham because uh, you have that kind of connection. Erastus, this guy, 
if you read in the Bible, what it says is Erastus is actually the city's director of public works. Like, this is an official. Uh, most likely, he's probably uh, a Roman citizen. So he's probably high-ranking. He's the director of the public works, which I thought was really nice because it's also like, hey, look, there are other professions out there. Like, even back then in Roman times, there are people in charge of, like, the civic kind of, yeah, town planning. My wife would be very happy about this sort of stuff. Um, but she might have, he might have just been doing, like, the irrigation and the aqueducts. Who knows? Um, but you have this other sense that, like, in terms of culture and standing, here's another rich public official, someone who is well-known, but at the same time, a Christian. You have this broader family of God, and they're all, they're all like sending greetings, and they're all sending love to each other. It's almost like if you imagined, like, there's this, okay, so I have a really rich friend in Malaysia, like super rich, like super, 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 super duper, super duper rich. Uh, yeah, like crazy rich Asians, kind of crazy rich. Let's say, I think his net worth was like a billion US dollars, which is a whole lot of ringgit, uh, by the way. Um, and uh, my mom's, my mom and dad, actually, he's not really my friend, he's my mom and dad's friend. Um, and... Uh, but when he became a Christian, he built a chapel in his own house, because uh, I guess when you're rich, you can do that. Um, but when he greets us, it's like, oh, we're, like, he acknowledges me, like, he can spot me in the airport. He'd say, like, hi, there you are. We're friends. There's a sense of, like, even though he is so wealthy, and I am not so wealthy, um, there's still the sense where actually God's love can bring you all together. For my mom and dad as well, I mean, they've done pretty well for themselves, but at the same time, when they look at other people, they don't judge them whether they're poor or they're wealthy or they're rich or they're smart, but there's still a sense of we are still part of this family. Trephenia and Trephosa and Perses, these were all people um, Paul lists out, and he says in specifically, oh, these women who work hard in the Lord. Now, this is another big deal because it's, uh, and back then it's pretty um, sexist society. I mean, if we even look back at our movies 20 years ago, it's pretty sexist. But here he's like calling them out and saying they're all still part of God's great family. Like, there's no, there's no, like, sexism, or there's still the sense of, actually, we are all part of God's family together. And then when you have Andronicus, Junia, Herodian, Julius, Jason, and Sosipater, um, Sosipater, uh, probably is more correct, um, Paul writes and says, my fellow Jews. In other words, he highlights these people because they're culturally similar to him, which means the other people in the Romans church were probably not Jewish. It's almost like, oh, hey, by the way, can you also say hi to all my Chinese friends there? It's very similar to that. Like, if you go visit, oh, you're going to go visit Hillsongs? Say hi to all the Chinese guys that hang out there, the three of them. And, uh, you know, greet them. It's almost the same, right? Because Paul just lists out, oh, these are the Jewish guys there. Um, be sure to send your greetings. In other words, you get this picture. The big family of God is not defined by, by wealth or by status. But actually, you see even in this group, there's the wealthy, there are professionals, there are servants, there are women, there are Jews, there are Gentiles, and even people from different cities. Now, this is the kingdom picture that God wants us to have. Yes, we are essentially a Chinese church, partially because it says Chinese on the outside. Partially, that's there because the Chinese people who only speak Chinese need to find a church to go to. But for us, we still say we're all part of God's great kingdom. Whether you stay in this church or go to another church, we're all still part of the same family. We're on the same team. Um, it is not a competition. We have nothing but love for one another. And that's really the hope and the desire it has. One of the things that I had growing up in Los Angeles, we had churches, and sometimes they'd uh, have arguments with each other and, and disagree, and then people would be a little bit competitive about which church they go to. And it's almost like your churches were insecure, like you were afraid that someone was going to take people from your church to join them because there was a better speaker or more interesting person. In my perspective, it's like, hey, I think we're all on the same team. 
yeah, it's great that you can go to different churches, but really, we want to really win this city. I remember a few years ago, someone said, oh, Bert, you know, uh, what if Hillsongs moves into uh, Birmingham? What you, are you going to be nervous? I was like, no, why would I be nervous about Hillsong? I think that's great. Hillsongs moves here. More people can go to church. People that would not have gone to church normally, people that will not come to this church because it says Chinese on the outside, they can go to another church. It is great. When Tim Hughes moved his church around the corner, they're like, oh, Bert, you know, Tim's following you around. Gas Street's going to open. You know, they're going to aim for the same demographic as you. Oh, yeah, really? He's going for Chinese young professionals. Okay, cool, 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 whatever. Um, but there's still the sense of, you know what? But we are all part of the same family. It's wonderful because when we look at this and we think about this, it's like, yeah, maybe we have a more ethnically-centric church here, but our love is for everyone. And it's the same picture that you have here with Paul. He's like, look, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're a professional or if you're a servant or even a slave or you're a woman, you're just in the household, you come from a different city. We are all part of the same big family. Now, that has to be our perspective. This is the starting point for us to understand, you know, this summertime we talk about sunshine, the light of God, the joy of that. It's starting by saying, actually, hey, we're all on the same team. And actually, this city, actually, this country, this world really needs God. Like, when we talk about the anguish in people's lives or the lack of joy, the lack of hope, or the, the frustration we have with our government, what we're crying out for is not just for change. We're saying, actually, God, can you transform their heart? Like, when I think about Donald Trump, what frustrates me most is no matter how much people shout at him or tell him he's wrong or whatever he does, it doesn't seem to impact his heart or his mind. And that's when you start crying out, God, if you can change his heart, then everything could change. But we also know the only one that can really change someone's heart is God. Do we declare the truth? Yes. Do we share what God has done? Yes. Do we talk about the joy that we received? Yes. But we start really praying and saying, God, transform and shape the city. When I first came to the UK 20 years ago, the churches were in a much more, uh, so, oh, sorry, it's like 25 years now. <laughs> the, the, you know, the churches here were in a much different state. They were much smaller. Uh, Chinese churches were tiny. But actually, in the past 25 years, it's been really exciting for me to see how the churches have grown, how new things have come up, how even the Church of England has been able to develop and grow. And you start getting more hungry for the knowledge of who our God is to be shared more. For us as Christians, it starts off by saying, hey, actually... We are on the same team. What that means is we want to help each other grow. We want to speak each other's lives. We want to be honest and start saying, well, how do we help each other actually live and walk with Jesus? Because that's really what's going to shape the world around us. It's that first picture that actually we are this big church family. When we hear about the missions teams and they went to Sweden or BLI out to the Philippines and they're sharing with different people from different cultures, there's still this sense of, Oh, it's so nice to be with other Christians. God, what can you do? What can you do to impact the world around us? This is where we get to the second part. And this is now kind of the meat of what today's message is about. It's the idea of serving one another. When we talk about sunshine, we talk about church or summer flavors, it's kind of saying actually one of the greatest things that we have is the opportunity to serve one another, to really invest in each other's lives, to care about them, to hear, and also to, to do other things like Sunday school or welcome or worship to do discipleship, to lead life groups, really to speak and play a role in someone else's life. When you start by thinking, well, actually, we're part of the church family, that's where you start thinking, well, how can I be part of serving one another? When we break this down, we look at some of these people. So the letter actually starts off with um, uh, 
I'm sending you Phoebe, and she has been amazing. She's been a benefactor to many people. Now, most likely what it is is Paul's written this letter, and the first name on that list, Phoebe, he's given the letter to Phoebe and uh, to head out there. She's from that church. Uh, it's actually near Corinth, and so she's taking this letter. Uh, it also says that she was a benefactor to many people, which actually probably means that she was wealthy, and she actually supported financially different people serving for the Lord, but also probably helped with the poor in all these different areas. Now, she is, you know, a wealthy woman, probably gets status. And here she is like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll take this letter for you, Paul. Let me take this letter to Rome. And, uh, oh, yeah, I know Christians aren't really a popular, but I don't mind. I'm going to go there. I'll bring this letter, and I want to share this with the church. I don't know about you, but sometimes the richer you get the more stingy you can, the more cautious you are. Because you know people are trying to take your money. You don't trust them. Second thing is you don't want to get in trouble. Like if you have status and you have wealth and you're going to another city and you're Christian back then, which probably wasn't looked too fondly upon. And he's like, well, no, actually, I want to go and deliver this letter. And Paul's saying, when you see her, receive her and give her any help that she needs. You get this understanding. It's not financial wealth, but there's a sense of let's spiritually support each other. For Phoebe, there is not this sense of like, well, I'm... I'm too good for this. But rather, I will serve in whatever way is possible for God's glory, for God's kingdom. At the same time, her wealth she's using for God's good as opposed to just for herself. And that's very hard for us. I think especially if you're an immigrant family, you think to yourself, well, actually, what's most important is that I save money because I don't know what's going to happen. There's a real sense of insecurity. Obviously, if you're born here, you're much more entitled. You're like, well, well, my parents have money. They own the takeaway. I can just live my life. And you don't realize, actually, that your parents save all this money because they're really nervous. They're really worried because they had to move from someplace else. For us as Christians, we're trying to say, well, God, we know that you are the one who also provides. How can I trust you and live my life generously? How can I give and know that you can impact people well and powerfully in this? Um, Yesterday, I was up in Manchester for a wedding rehearsal, and I met up with a friend of ours, uh, James's brother, Joe Tang. And Joe was sharing with me about... uh, so he was talking to Francis Chan, and they were, they were at a church together talking about ministry out there. And he shared the story about Francis Chan talking to this American football player. Now, this American football player, uh, really good at his sport, really good, but he went out to Philippines, uh, not Philippines, somewhere, uh, for a short-term mission trip working with orphan children. And while he was there, he was so moved, and he was like, you know, he called up Francis, say, Francis, I think I want to quit my job, and I can just go out there and work and just, you know, Give up everything to, to serve the people there. And Francis Chan said, I think that's, that's really noble. I love your heart. But you do also realize you are in the special position where people will pay you $12 million a year to do what you do. Do you know with $12 million a year, you can send like a lot of people and a lot of support to those places? And actually, instead of just saying, well, if I go there, I'm going to be the savior, you start realizing, well, actually, God, if you've given me this opportunity, can I use this money to do good elsewhere. It's this different kind of perspective. And he's saying, he realized like, oh yeah, you're right. Actually, I will do this for a few years. I can make a lot of money, but actually I can use this to bless other places, other communities. I loved hearing about BLI and they're talking about how do you give seed funding to help people be able to rely on themselves, but in some way to also bless the community around them. You get that little bit of picture here with Phoebe. She's a benefactor to many, but it also means that she's somehow saying, well, the money and the wealth that I have, God, I'm also using that to bless your kingdom, and your people for the good of your name around. When we talk about Priscilla and Aquila, they were actually friends with Paul, and they were actually kicked out of Rome because, one, she was a Jew. It wasn't Christian persecution. It was 
they were Jews. She was a Jew, and she's like, kick them out. So um, they moved out there, but they were actually another husband and wife team. So they're a married couple, but they're serving God fervently. They're not like, okay, well, you know, one of us loves God, and the other one, we just do our job. There's a sense of we are a team, and we're doing this together. They get thrown in prison with Paul. They've been in prison with him, and there's still this passionate and this strong desire to be following him. Um, there's this great love and this great faith that they have, even in this case. You start realizing that they, even though they might have wealth or they might have marriage or they might have status, their greatest joy is still in serving God and serving one another. Um, Mary, she gets one line. And I think to myself, wow, this person just gets one line in the Bible and says, oh, Mary, who has worked very hard serving. You know, like the sense of like, oh, who is this Mary? Is this another Mary? Because it sounds like Martha. But uh, is this Mary? In other words, even this one person, this one girl, you know, if she's single probably because they don't mention she's married. But there's a sense of she loved serving people and serving God. Um, Persis, Gaius, and Tertius. Uh, Persis was another woman who worked very hard for the Lord. Um, Gaius was a part of the, the, the line that lists out here. He says, whose hospitality everyone in the church has enjoyed. Again, you get the sense of this person who is so warm and so welcoming transforms even the people around them, like that small part. So I will let you in on a little secret. Two weeks ago, uh, someone came to our church who was not Chinese, who was uh, a different ethnicity. And afterwards, I'll speak to him. He said, oh, pastor, it's nice that you sat down and spoke with me. I do want to give you some feedback on your church. And I said, thank you. I love unsolicited feedback. It always makes me feel really good. I know something good's coming. And he's like, oh, it's, it's really nice that you came and said me. But, you know, it'd be nice if other people, when you, when you come and you're a newcomer, they say hi to you. I was like, oh, fail. We failed today. We did bad. No one welcomed you. And you're clearly not ethnically Chinese. Um, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, I was just waiting for my friend who invited me to come. And, and no one said hi to me. I was like, oh, gosh, we really look racist, don't we? Okay. Uh, all I could do was apologize and say, well, we're working on it. I'm trying to encourage them. And so now, I told you all off. And now you all know better for next time. No, just kidding. Um, Actually, I wasn't kidding. I'm serious. Um, <laughs> there is this sense that we are all kind of responsible for loving the people who come in and welcoming. And I love this because Gaius gets highlighted especially because he is hospitable, like this warmth to it. Now, with us, the most, the most baseline way of being hospitable here at church is to say hello to someone. Okay, I know it's really hard. Some of us are very introverted. We like to just stay in our own. Okay, it's fine. I understand. But at the same time, if you can, if you're willing to, if you're able to, just say hello. You might be able to make a friend. The other part is I also found that actually if you have uh, means or you have friends or family, it's always good to just invite someone else. Hey, you want to come to my house sometime? Share a meal together. Um, that warmth and the hospitality builds those relational bridges from you just being a stranger who sees each other on church on Sunday into something a little bit deeper. Because you're really saying, well, Eventually, how can I be ready to be able to pray for this person or engage in their life or love them in a different way? Um, Finally, Tertius. Tertius, he's the guy who's writing this letter. So it's quite common back then for uh, someone to dictate a letter and someone else would write it. In other words, this guy's full-time job was a scribe. Uh, He wrote well. He did. And while he's doing that, he also gets to say, oh, by the way, it's Tertius here. I'm writing this letter. Hey, guys. Um, And that's what he does. You get this picture that actually this guy, Tertius, whose professional skills, he's using them for God's kingdom. His full-time job is a, probably a scribe or a, a writer. He writes down things for things. And he's saying, well, Paul, let me help you out. Let me do this for you um, so that 
God's love can be shared. For all of us, actually, whatever profession it is, whatever small or whatever thing you've been trained in, you can still say, oh, actually, God, can you use me in this way? Not just in our church, but God, can you use this in kind of different ways? The other part is if you have ideas like, well, I cannot do this at my work, but I would love to be able to bring it in to the community that we can use it somehow, you can suggest it, and we can see what things we can try. Because it's trying to say, God, how can you be used by you to serve one another and to serve the people around us? It's this picture that actually with all of this, they're all in this together. They're all serving God together. And there's this great joy in this. When I read this list in Romans 16, and I know I admittedly, normally when I read it, I just go through the names really quickly. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. He's just saying hi to a bunch of people I don't know. Like, I never met these people, whatever. They're not my friends. You get a different picture, actually, when you look at it, and you say, wow, actually, Paul actually has a friendship with all these people. There's a sense of they are really one family, that they are serving each other, that there's this love that transcends the distance and the space. What's even cooler is when you stop and think, hey, when I get to heaven, I can meet this person. Like, this family extends beyond. Like, I get to hang out with this Greek or this Jew or this Roman. I get to hear about what, how Gaius was so hospitable. I get to hear about what the public city works were like back then. But there's a sense that we are all sharing in this life together across history. It also then makes us think, well, what is... What, what is the mark I'm making here? Like, what have, what's the story I'm playing into people's lives? Like, sure, maybe that's Paul writing a letter, but actually for all of us, we still have this story as well. Looking at that list of people, you start realizing they are humble. They are giving. I forgot to say, Priscilla and Aquila, they're most famous because they are tent makers. They actually make tents. That's like their job. What we've taken in the missions context nowadays is when you say a tent maker is someone who goes to another country and does a work there as a full-time job, but also uses that option to then spread God's word. They're the first ones to do that. They're the ones who coined, well, they didn't coin the term, but they're the tent makers. Uh, They're hardworking, uh, active, serving, they're hospitable, and there's different skills that they use for God. For all of us, we have this same kind of picture. Like, well, actually, can I be more active in my serving? Can I make sure I'm humble? Can I give generously? Can I see how my profession can be used by God in different ways? Um, Can I be hospitable to all people? It's then when we come to the third thing, which is actually you see that they love and support of one another. This whole letter actually is Paul saying how much he has been loved by these people, at the same time how much he's been supported by them, and how much he wants us to continue to support and love them. We actually start off here with Epenetus. I'm just going to pronounce it that way. I actually don't know how to pronounce any of these names. I just wanted to make you guys do it because I thought it would be cool. Um, Epenetus, he gets named because he is the first convert in Asia. Like, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. First convert in Asia. Now, you understand, like, when you read the Bible and people are getting converted, they say, like, a thousand people came to know the Lord that day. Like, another hundred was added to the number. I thought... Wait, we're talking about mass numbers of people. This guy's number one. Like, he's employee number one in Asia who gets converted. I was, I was trying to imagine what that was like. I mean, Paul probably went to the city, the city they've never heard about Jesus before. And the first guy he talks to, he's like, oh, and Epinus, I, I, I receive, I believe. And from then it spreads, right, enough so that there's a church there. And I thought he gets highlighted because one of the most amazing things is that we all have these stories, We all have a story of God, where we started, where we heard from him, what it's been like on our adventure. 
And I can imagine that church in Rome when they hear, like some of them may have not have known, right? Wait, Epinesis, you were the first convert in Asia? Like, tell us your story. How did that happen? What, what went on there? What changed? What was your life like before? And when you hear that story, your life gets built up. You get encouraged. It's like hearing about the one in the Cantonese congregation who was 80 years old and couldn't read, but then learned how to read so that she could read the Bible because she loved God that much. And you want, what kind of testimony is that? That's amazing, right? Uh, it also makes us think, wow, we are really lazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> then it goes on to talk about Rufus. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mom who has been mother to me. There's this real sense of, wow, Paul's like, oh, actually, Rufus, you know who's been chosen, but at the same time, oh, his mother, who has been like a mother to me. You, you get that strong sense of community and family as well. Like what it's like to be cared for, even though you are not actually physically, biologically part of their family, but still the love of God binds us all together. Again, you get this picture so strongly of what it means to love and support one another, to hear each other's stories. Um, Philologus and uh, that was Julia. I talked to your parents. That was the other name they were going to give you. Like it was, it was between Philologus and Julia. I guess they went with Julia. Um, <laughs> Nearest and Olympus, um, they're all the Lord's people with them, but they're all kind of from these different groups, these different kind of areas. And you get this other picture like even though they might be from different cultures or different backgrounds, there's still this whole family strength with them. Then there's Timothy, who is actually a leader. He was a young leader in the church. They know about this because we read in First and Second Timothy. In other words, he's also sending greetings. And again, you have this person. There's no status. Oh, the Moxie said uh, hello, so we must honor it more. There's a sense of we are all in this journey together. And of course, Erastus, who's the city director of public works, still sending greetings. I, I think in our day and age, it would be like, oh, uh, you know, CEO, director, could you also include your name in this list? Because it would make it more uh, important. It would make more... I don't think that was the case here. Because he's just kind of saying, oh, yeah, Erastus. Oh, by the way, I don't think you know, but he's also the director of public works here. Um, he sends his greetings, too. And it's like towards the end of the list. It's also like, oh, yeah, he also wants to say, but you guys don't know who he is, but this is who he is. Um, there is a sense of no matter what you do or your background or where you're from, when you are part of God's family, you are part of God's family. You, you belong. You play a role. And here you see testimony, and you see family, and you see different groups. You see love from leaders, and you see this humble love from whatever status they have just being given freely to one another. In our church, we are kind of growing and developing, and one of the biggest concerns I have is that um, we become a church that's just... Uh, comfortable in showing up on Sunday and uh, hearing to a semi-decent sermon and some semi-decent worship, but you feel good about yourself and you go. And I know it's hard when you're busy and you're working. You're like, oh, I don't know how to juggle all these things. And the other thing I don't want is I don't want us to become a church where we are, um, everyone does stuff out of guilt because we're Chinese, like heritage type people, and we just do things because we feel shamed uh, and dishonoring if we don't do it. Like, that's the other thing I'm really worried about. What you really want is say, you know what, I, I follow Jesus and I love him and I want to I wanna bless the people around me. I want to be used by God in some way um, and I want to give. Now, if you are insecure, you're afraid, you think you're not good enough, that's, that's fine. We can work with that, actually. You can work with people who are humble. Um, we can work with people who are faithful. Like, say, I, I'm, I, I love, I, I'm trying to walk the best with the Lord I can. Like, that's, that's what you want. You want to work with people who are teachable. People are like, well, I just want to learn. I want to get better at this. I want to learn how to use the PA. I want to learn how to play an instrument. I want to learn how to uh, be more loving or more caring. I want to learn how to work with the kids. Um, 
because that's the heart of what the serving is about. As opposed to saying, well, actually, I want to, everyone to know my name, or I want to be popular, uh, I want to be famous. Um, see, when the heart of serving, and trying to understand what that is, is, is this section that happens towards the, just towards the last, last third of this uh, chapter. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. And Paul's highlighting, like, the most important thing, look, all these people that are here in this list that I've named, they serve out of this love. I, I, there's a family. There's this life there. But watch out for the people who just want to stir up conflict, to cause problems. Um, keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. See, the list that he kind of puts out there is there are people who will be dis- divisive or obstructive, making things more difficult to kind of serve. Um, counter-Christian, uh, where it's not for Jesus, but it's maybe for yourself or for your own kind of gain, the selfishness. Um, arrogant um, or deceptive or fake. Now, I know in our lives there are going to be times when you demonstrate some of these characteristics more than others. It's hard when you're at work or sometimes even at church. Sometimes you will find yourself to be more proud or say things, it's hard. But the idea is that you want to move against that. You want to say, well, actually, I I don't want to be that way. In our church, we're trying to make it as gracious as possible. You can try. I know that we are sinners, that we make mistakes. But tell us. Let's pray for you. Let's try to move forward in that. Let's try to work together. If you become stubborn or hard-hearted, that's when it becomes difficult. Like, well, we can't, can't move there. How can we continue to grow and be gracious in that? Because the flip side of all these things are being harmonious or encouraging or Christ-like, um, considerate or humble, um, innocent, and be able to share different things. That's what the heart of serving is like. Okay, so let me confess a little bit to you. So this last, last week, the week before, how long was it? Fat Camp. Two weeks ago now? Oh, my gosh. My life goes so fast. Fat Camp, this teen conference that happens over the whole UK happened. Um, Lots of kids come, uh, like, uh, hunt, what, two, 250 people altogether, 154 kids, 80 leaders. Uh, and it's run by COCM. This year it was run by Josh Sheck. And it was good. It was, it was uh, really encouraging. There's really great times of prayer and encouragement. At the same time, uh, because I've been in ministry for so long, I can show up at these things and play a role and say stuff, and people listen, and then I just leave. Like, it's really funny. Um, but they had a debrief meeting, and I was there. Uh, I showed up, and, I, and they were sharing about like, how they felt like went. And I came in, and I shared my thoughts. And when I share my thoughts, sometimes they can sound more harsh, or my observations are not very encouraging. And I can even sound stubborn. And I realize, actually, I do sound stubborn. I can have a very strong opinion on things. And maybe that's not the right time for that. And as I was doing that, and I was speaking, I thought to myself, oh... I wonder if I'm being too hard. No, I think I'm being honest. I think the word is honest, not hard. You know, I'm not that kind of Chinese parent. Apparently, I am. Um, and uh, afterwards, uh, left the meeting. And then I was driving back home. I thought to myself, huh, I think I may have been too hard. Like, because it wasn't bad. It was good. Um, there was good things that was happening. But the way I said it was probably more, you know, self, selfish in some ways or more proud. And so I thought to myself, oh, that's not very good. Oh, what should I do? So I do what most Chinese people do. I give it a few days. And then I ask my friend, 
hey, is this person okay after what I said? Because then, you know, you're too scared to actually talk to them yourself because you're Chinese. So I said, oh, is he okay? Yeah, it was fine. Everything got worked out. And I thought to myself, no, that's not good enough, Bert. You should apologize. You should, you should send a message and say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if it's come across too harsh. Um, you know that I love you and I have massive support for you. And, um, and it's difficult because I also realized for myself as a church leader, it's very easy to get caught in this trap where you think, you know what, I don't have to apologize because I was right. And maybe I was right. But if you love people, if you love one another, if your heart's desire is to see each other grow, you say, actually, I have no pride to keep for myself. What's most important is sharing that love and saying, actually, how do I still keep this relationship alive and growing and investing? Otherwise, you leave it broken. I know this because when I was much younger, I burned a lot of bridges. I made a lot of people mad. And I look back with a lot of regret because I'm like, oh, it took so much effort to rebuild those things. So nowadays you realize, well, it's much better to just be humble, turn around and say sorry, mean it, love them, so that you can continue to grow together and love one another. See, the picture here is actually we all serve. We are all part of serving. We are one big family of God. And there's this great joy that comes out of serving. You look at Phoebe and you look at um, these people, you don't hear them complaining. There's this love like, yeah, whatever I can do, no job is too big, no job is too small. Um, It's at this point where I want to stop for a bit, and this is uh, where you kind of have a chance to talk to you a little bit. Uh, let Let me explain. We all have stories. We all have people that led us to Christ. We all have our first memory of what it was like to come to this church as someone's a tie. Um, people who influenced us growing up, people who said, actually, this person was impactful in my life. In fact, yesterday at this wedding rehearsal that I was at, uh, I met a guy who I haven't seen in 20-odd years. Uh, he was one of the first teens that we met uh, in this country when we came on a short-term trip. And uh, I didn't meet him first. The, the year before, another team had come. And uh, I said, hey, good to see you. I haven't t- spoken to you for a while. Um, and he's all, hey, it's really nice. I can't believe you're still here. You know, what's the church like in Birmingham? And then everyone's always shocked that there's a Chinese church in Birmingham that's, that's doing okay. And then he's, like, talking to me. And uh, then he stops, and he goes, oh, you know, I still remember when that missions team came over from, from your church in America. Um, and we're talking about what year that would have been. It's like, what, 94, 95? He's like, yeah, I was, I was probably about 14, 15 years old then. Um, yeah, and then we're talking, and he's like, yeah, actually, that missions team meant so much to me. Because back then, I didn't realize how much anger I had, how much I felt out of place being Chinese in the school, and how important it was for me to meet these guys who love Jesus. And I thought, well, those guys were here for only three weeks. They were probably with you for only one week, and you remember them so clearly. And he was giving me their names. He's like, oh, yeah, this guy, Kevin. Oh, not the white Kevin, this other guy who's kind of short. Oh, I said the one with, like, no neck because his head just goes straight. He's like, yeah, that guy. And then there's a tall guy. And he's, like, he's listing all these people. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, I know all of these guys. And he's like, yeah, it's really good. And he said, yeah, I remember after they left, I was just so on fire for God. I remember... I just went into school and told everyone about Jesus. And I, I was 14, 15-year-olds, and I was so bold just sharing about Jesus. And that made such an impact in my life, which is why I still try to be involved and serve you know, in the church even where I am today. And I was like, wow, that's an amazing story. Like, this is over you know, 20 years ago. And at the same time, this impact this person made in their life. You start realizing when we are called to serve God, he is helping you put your life or what Jesus has done in your life into someone else's life. 
And that blessing, you don't know how that's going to unfold or what that's going to look like or what's going to develop from there. But if you, are, if you are living selfishly or if you're living like blindly for yourself or you're just living still in sin, doing the same thing over and over again, you're like, well, I'm wasting what actually God wants me to do. I really want to unfold instead what God can impact. I want to see God's life come alive in different people's lives. That is the joy of it. As we end in worship, I want you guys also to take this away. Um, so these are a couple questions. This, um, I want you to start thinking about, oh, who's impacted you through the years? Was it your Sunday school teachers or your youth leaders? Um, who did you first meet in church? What was that like? Uh, how have you been served? I, I want you to reflect on this. And even after service, after worship, after bringing all this to God and saying, God, I want you to use me in different ways, talk to each other. Say, well, you know, who are some people that are really influential in your life? Um, you know, where, where are the stories that you have? Or how did you become a Christian? Where did this journey begin? You need to start asking these questions to each other because then you can hear. It's like hearing that I think it was Erastus, was it? I feel like there's no S in there. Anyways, that guy was the first convert in Asia, right? I mean, like, yeah, that's it. That's that, whatever. Anyways, um, that first convert in Asia, that story is something amazing. When we start sharing as well, you know, what your stories are, people can get so much encouragement, so much life from that. When I was 30 years old, when it came to my birthday, um, I was in this country, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm so thankful for my leaders growing up. And I, I looked back, and I thought, man, I was a real pain in the butt. I was really, really difficult. I was really annoying. Um, and I, and I, so I, I went and I, I wrote letters to all my old leaders and I said, you know, thank you so much for, um, being an impact in my life. Like, I feel like I've, I've, I'm, I'm the person I am today because of your patience, because of your love, uh, because of the time spent. And I said, I, I never got any replies from these people, by the way. May I send the wrong addresses? But I sent them all letters and saying, you know, thank you so much because... And I kind of wish they could see what my, I'm like now because I, I think they would be shocked because I was really, really bad. Um, so there's a sense of like, you know what? For us, when we take some time and stop and you remember these people and these stories, you're just like, actually, God, thank you so much for that. At the same way, Lord, can I pay it forward? Can I, can I, can I bring that blessing out to other people too? Can... Can you keep showing me that there is more that you can do through me, that you want to do, that you are, can unfold in this world around me as well? So as we come in worship and we think about, you know, what it means to really desire God and love him, you know, really put yourself at the foot of his cross and say, God, I, I give this to you. Um, thank you for these people in my life. Thank you for never giving up. Jesus, thank you yourself for your love for me. Now inspire me, encourage me, challenge me, move me forward. Let's pray. And there goes a short. Um, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much because your, your love and your goodness are so, so wonderful. Um, we have received so much from you. And we know over the years, Lord, there's been more and more that you have given to us. Uh, the friendships, the encouragements, the sermons that we've heard, the friendships that we've made. Lord, will you continue to challenge us? Will you continue to press us forward? Let's really see what it means to be light to this world around us, to be full of that sunshine and that hope. And as we remember the friends of our past, uh, the people who have influenced our lives, Lord, we give thanks for them. And we continue to ask that you lead us forward in that. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's come and worship.